All right, guys, welcome back to the Establish the Past podcast presented by Quest Points. I'm your host, Blake Level. With me, as always, my co-host, Dylan Reagan. We're back here to discuss more NFL offseason. And um, one of the things, Dylan, we talked about, we're going to start looking at these coaches heading into next season. And uh, on the next episode, we might talk a little hot seat. But on this episode, hopefully, none of these guys are on the hot seat by the um, time the 2023 season concludes. Although, you never know. Uh, we have seen some some recent firings um, after one season. But we'll see if any of these guys join the mix. We're going to talk about sort of the expectations for the guys who are in new spots. Now, you know, we say new head coaches. Um, certainly, that doesn't apply to everyone here because there are three head coaches that are you know, new to that role. Um, a couple are not. Frank Reich, as we know, or the Panthers, he's not a new head coach. Neither is Sean Payton, who makes his return to the Denver Broncos. But um, so we're kind of going to just look at each of these coaches. What are the expectations for them? You know, what could we see on the high end, the low end, perhaps? Uh, and really just what do they need to do maybe to, to have success in their first season? And what are um, kind of the, I don't know, kind of the goal for the, for the team in particular? Because, I don't know that any of these, Dylan, are teams that we're going to look at as Super Bowl contenders by any means, but um, it is at least an interesting group of coaches here and a lot of different spots that, as we said, um, whether you're looking at the two teams in the AFC South or, of course, you're looking at the Broncos coming off such a disappointing season last year. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of a, a turning point year potentially for where at least the direction is uh, that the franchise is headed. Yeah, not quite as much as turnover going into last season. I think we had something like nine new head coaches. And to your point, hopefully none of these guys will be in the hot seat too quickly. Um, but we did have two coaches. Uh, well, the Texans, obviously, back-to-back years having one-year head coaches with Lovey, the latest one, to, to get canned after a year. And then, obviously, what happened with Hackett in Denver. Um, I don't know if we'll see a sim- – things would have to really go sideways uh, as they did in Denver. And the Houston situation was a little bit different than what I think the one that – D'Amico Ryan's is stepping into and what they envisioned for him. It seemed like they kind of had a couple lame dunk coaches that they, they brought in to, to kind of just pass the time of the, of the rebuild and uh, not be the, the guy they envisioned to be there for long term. I think D'Amico's a, a little bit different case. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I think in each of these instances, I mean, even Denver maybe has the most urgency as we go through this whole list. But nonetheless, I still think Sean Payton's going to have a pretty long leash with what that, uh, you know, fairly new ownership there in Denver wants to do and what they're hoping to build. And then, yeah, you have four other situations, all intriguing in their own ways with three rookie quarterbacks and then one that is just a complete teardown where I don't know. Um, if any of these guys have the expectation of winning, you know, like you said, Super Bowl contention, definitely not on the on the table. Playoff contention possible for, you know, depending on who you look at uh, and who you ask is the, uh, who's going to win the NFC South. I think the Panthers do get mentioned in that breath uh, every now and then. But I think all these teams, there's a bigger goal for them, and it's, it's beyond this season, and it's laying the foundation in each case. But um, either way, it's a lot to – a lot of not, not as much pressure maybe as some of the recent head coaches that we've seen that have come into certain situations – um and but also yeah it, it does help I was kind of looking back at last year's head coaches and as much as uh, certain guys uh you know it's it's hard to really look at this group and be like where's the next Mike McDaniel uh, who's going to lead you know a Dolphins team from wherever they were in TVO in 2021 to uh, when Tua was playing a top 10 offense and all the things they did well um obviously what Doug Peterson did with the turnaround in Jacksonville I don't know if we have a 
a uh, candidate to be in that kind of level of immediate success. But um, even the Giants with Dave, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of last year's class was kind of a little bit of a unique situation. There's just so many guys again that got um, new jobs. I, I think it's a good sign maybe that there's fewer this year, not as many teams rushing on to the next thing. Uh, learning to maybe t- uh, take a second and understand that y- you need time to develop. But uh, all, all of these five um, coming from interesting backgrounds, and obviously two of them, like you mentioned, and Reich and, uh, and Peyton, that have quite extensive head coaching histories, especially Peyton, but even more recently with Frank Reich, and obviously uh, the one guy that didn't take long for him to get a new job there in uh, Carolina. Yeah. No, it's, um, it's an interesting group, like you said. I think the expectations are going to be – fascinating for all these teams because certainly will be higher in some places than others and i think the the one that's going to be the highest in which i mean i know we kind of have the rookie head coaches and, and the guys who aren't but i mean i think it makes sense to start with sean payton because he yeah. is probably the most you know i think that's the place where you expect the quickest results and i think part of that is sean payton being the head coach but the other part i think is just how bad the broncos were last year and I think them just wanting to completely put that out of their mind, Broncos fans, everyone involved, um, to try to figure out exactly what this is going to look like moving forward. Because as we said, I mean, you and I, we remember doing our previews last season, and we said, all right, how are all four of the AFC West teams going to make the playoffs? Like, it's gonna, like something's going to happen. They're going to somehow have a chance to do this. And then, like, little did we know the Broncos would just completely – go off the rails very quickly there. Um, now you bring in an offensive, you know, wizard and Sean Payton immediately the expectations turns to how good can the offense be? Uh, I think, look, the Broncos could, they may not make the playoffs this season, Dylan, but if their offense is at least enjoyable, that will be miles ahead of where it was last season. And so maybe that's it's clearly, I think the top expectation is to just have a more competent yeah. offense, which my guess is it's really hard to be worse um, than they were last season. So I think they'll achieve that goal. Uh, beyond that, you know, they are playing in the AFC West, and I think it will be interesting to see, of course, you know what to expect from the Chiefs, the Chargers, Raiders, usually a wild card. Um, we talked about everything else in the AFC, just how difficult it is. Um, and so I think that's why I think it's going to be interesting because, you know, you, when you bring in a, a coach like this, yes, there were expectations for Nathaniel Hackett, but you know, it was a much different level in terms of now what he left there and sort of now what Sean Payton takes over. He's won a Super Bowl, and I think they're just, you know, those expectations immediately go very high. And to me, it will be very interesting to see, you know, how the Broncos start the season because that could tell us a lot about kind of where they are. Uh, But really, the gradual sort of progress, perhaps, that this team can make to maybe put themselves in that position to be a playoff team um, but I don't know. Like I don't, I don't have a great read on what to expect from the Broncos this season because I think there's a lot of sort of wild cards in play based on Russell Wilson and, and a lot of other things, perhaps on, on you know specifically maybe the offensive side of the ball. But but I would at least think that they're not going to be anywhere near what they were last season. But that I think is again that's not asking for a whole lot. I don't think. No, yeah. Given where they were. Uh, finishing 29th in offensive DVOA, it's hard to imagine that they're going to be any worse than that. With, I mean, health played a role in it. Obviously, um, some of the skill position guys that, that went down over the course of the season, and Russell Wilson even had his own kind of getting more dinged up than usual, losing Javante. Definitely a noticeable difference uh, and one of the few reliable parts of their offense at, at times. But yeah, before the season, we had the Tim Patrick injury. We didn't get to see what those three 
Yeah, with with Sutton, Judy, and Patrick could all do together. I know Judy's been the subject of trade rumors. We're getting by the time this comes out, we'll be on the June first designation time, where a lot of the uh, a lot of the dead cap numbers change up. So we'll see if if he stays in, uh, you know, on the team this year. But they have a pretty deep now. I mean, looking at uh, down their their depth chart with Marquez Callaway and KJ Hamler next in line, and then obviously in the second round they draft Marvin Mims. I mean, this is a deep skill position group we kind of said that last year um but i I, you know at at times it just it it did feel like they're trying to uh uh, make something fit that just was not going to with with hackett and and this offense and trying to ask russell wilson to do things that uh, maybe that he thought he wanted to do and maybe it was good for from his own point of view to to, you know the whole let russ cook thing happen in seattle He, he goes to denver they let him try to cook at times and didn't work so well i think um, this isn't a situation maybe where the pressure is so much on Sean Payton, uh, at least this year. I think long term, you know, his legacy is still secure regardless of what happens here. We've seen a lot of successful head coaches go to a second team and not be able to put up the same kind of success. Not saying that's going to happen with Sean, but I do think in terms of the expectations for him, it's it's getting that offense, like you said, to a competent place. But I think the pressure is more on Russell. This is, uh, you know, even the last couple. Even this week, there's uh, you know some kind of rumblings about how he doesn't have you know his spot secured. I think it is pretty secured for this year, but we kind of knew that after uh, last season, people are already looking at his contract and trying to figure out ways to to get get around it. Um, I still think maybe there's more left in the tank, and I'm hoping that Sean Payton is the guy to draw that out of Russell. Maybe he's not going to ever be what he was in Seattle again, but with the right group of weapons and an offensive line uh, that you'd hope that is going to improve this season compared to where it was a year ago. But at the same time, I mean, that wasn't really the biggest problem for this team. A lot of times Russell just things were not, it was discombobulated. And you feel like with the players they have, as we've been talking about, you put it together and you have a coach like Sean Payton that obviously has had, you know, was considered during most of his tenure to be one of the top three, four offensive minds, maybe at certain points, the top offensive mind um, in his profession before you had guys like Kyle Shanahan and other offensive uh, big names out there, Dables of the world that kind of have taken those kind of reins uh, since then. But um, I, yeah, I think you know, this is a team also on the defensive side, obviously that last year they're disappointed and players were really vocal about it because they were, so good and you know by the end of the year their their run defense kind of fell off but they still finished seventh in pass defense uh, dvoa overall uh, you know thought they you know after being 20th year before that step i you know it's going to be hard to to maintain every part of that but i still think they have enough pieces on that side and i'm not you know i don't know if they're going to be quite as good but like you said i think the expectation for for uh, or at least like you ha- it's hard not to believe that they're going to be at least competent on the offensive side of the ball. Whether that's good enough to make the playoffs in the AFC is another question. If they're in the NFC, I feel like that would be maybe an expectation you'd try to slap onto this uh, team would be it would be making the postseason. But in the AFC, I mean, where's Russell Wilson rank? And we'll I know eventually we're going to do our top ten quarterbacks in the NFL, and I'm, that list is probably going to be dominated by AFC quarterbacks. I, you know, if I even off the top of my head, I don't know exactly where Russell ranks among the top AFC quarterbacks. Maybe uh, situations with the skill players they have, and now Sean Payton is his coach. Maybe that is a bit higher um, than it used to be, but uh, and maybe that elevates Russell's ceiling. But man, it's 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 a far cry from a few years ago where he was on those top ten lists. Now he's not even, you know, probably sniffing it. And then you look at the, just the conference he's in. It's it's it, maybe the division's not as tough as we. Um, you know, thought going into last year, but the AFC East, as we've talked about, the AFC North, 
I mean, those divisions are yep. stacked, and it's it's just not going to be an easy path for the the Broncos here. But um, I think you know competency. I think taking that step forward and feeling like whether it's knowing that Russell's the guy uh, moving forward, maybe that is an expectation that they're going to figure that out this year, whether it's yes or no. And then, you know, the pivot, that's a much uh, harder question. We've seen a lot of teams try to pivot. It, it doesn't always work that easily. And if, if they are more competent, that makes that even harder um, uh, because your, your draft picks get a little worse. And I do believe they still, unless I'm mistaken, do they have one more pick going to Seattle next year? I'd have to look that up, but yeah. um, that would be, hopefully they don't because, uh, Otherwise, they have an escape route, but a lot of teams are looking at the 2024 escape route with uh, Caleb Owens and Drake Mays. Too many plans between too many teams already kind of, uh, or at least fan bases, I should say, already looking ahead to that draft class. Yeah, I don't, I want to say that there's not another one going to them. I think everything's been completed, hasn't it? I could be wrong on that. Um, Yeah, I think it's fully, I think because this year's draft, the second round, maybe the second round pick in this year's draft, I think was maybe the final. the final point of that that trade but we can figure that out at a later date but yeah i mean it's yeah. <laughs> like you said it is um it is going to be they're the most interesting of this group for obvious reasons and i think it's a lot's based on this past season but it's also based on who they hired as their coach and um who they have as a quarterback and so all those dynamics in play certainly makes the broncos uh, one of the more fascinating teams i think heading into the season uh, even if it doesn't mean they're going to be one of the best teams but i think it makes them one of the most fascinating yep. because of how many different directions this thing could go, but I think they'll be better. It's just a matter of, of how much better, and again, can they be a playoff team? We'll find out. All right, let's talk about the other guy who um, you know has done this before, Frank Reich at the Panthers now. Uh, a lot of our conversations about the Panthers have really revolved around the NFC South and how it's pretty much a wide-open division at this point when you really think about it. Um, it's not to knock the Saints, who I assume, Dylan, probably the favorite. Um, I haven't looked at the betting odds, but – um, you know, I don't know what the expectations are for the Bucks without Tom Brady. Um, so it feels like a pretty wide open conference um, because I think you can look at the positives for all four of these teams. You can also see a lot of perhaps still potential weaknesses uh, involved. But the Panthers, I mean, it's wild to think, right? Like they they weren't that far away from making a playoff run last no. season, <laughs> but like. It's it's true, right? Like I mean, it didn't feel like they were they were that far away in that division, but um, but again, I think that's the product of the division. If they're going to be a team that can, you know, become an NFC threat, then I think it really becomes a matter of you know building around Bryce Young, and that's where everything now kind of centers for them um, as they head into the season. And I think that perhaps is. I don't know. I mean, sort of the luxury maybe of, for Frank Reich is to look. I mean, he enters now, um, you know a new team he gets a quarterback that is you know highly heralded in in terms of what he can do at this level they've kind of tried to remake the offense a little bit when you consider it i mean really it's kind of funny to look at their offensive depth chart right because you start looking at all these names you're like wait a second miles sanders dj chark adam thielen like what are we playing like fantasy draft mode on madden or what like all these guys are now there now and it is kind of an interesting, you know, to me, Dylan, this feels like, and I don't know if it's the same, but this sort of feels like the Jaguars a, a season ago. And I'm not saying they're going to make yeah. a playoff run. I'm saying when you think about, like, who was the Jags running? They brought in Christian Kirk. They brought in um, Evan, Ingram. Evan Ingram. Like, you know, they just started getting all of these guys to sort of try to figure out the right combination on offense. And guess what? It worked. Uh, now, they had Trevor Lawrence at quarterback. You know, Bryce Young now coming in. 
Um, they've got guys who have made plays before. You know, Miles Sanders made plays, Thielen, Chark, so forth. Marshall, uh, we talked about him. They know they get Jonathan Mingo, who I think will be a, a nice versatile option for them. So, you know, we've got Hayden Hurst, right? <laughs> so it's just, it is so interesting to see kind of offensively what that Frank Reich has to work with because that's kind of his, you know, sweet spot in terms of, wasn't always the case with the Colts, but I think that may have been more of just kind of where the roster should for the Colts. But to me, there's upside here for the Panthers, just yeah. where the division's at, where things at least look like they can, you know, where things are offensively. If you assume Bryce Young's going to be able to step in and be really good from the start defensively, you know, I think there are obviously some good pieces there. They, again, defensively, too, they brought in some guys for like looking at it like, oh, yeah, um, you know, Von Bell's there, Xavier Woods there. Like, you just you look at kind of just the different people they brought in. I mean, I don't know. Maybe yeah. I'm going to be higher on the Panthers than some people are, but <laughs> the way I at least look at the roster, you probably got to see if all the pieces come together. But given the, the foundation in the division right now and where things are, I I may be a little more optimistic about what the Panthers could do um, in Frank Reich's first season. Yeah, I, th- I mean, for Frank, just overall, it's got to be a breath of fresh air after all these years of Indianapolis trying a new quarterback. I mean, it's like been basically since Andrew yeah. Luck's retirement, it's been this round robin of trying to, to find the, the right guy to be the successor. And, you know, we take some teams, I, I'm sure a lot of fan bases don't take this for granted, but say you're a, maybe you're a younger fan of a, of a team that had a, maybe you're a Patriots fan growing up or, you know, born in the mid 2000s. And all you knew was quarterback competency. Um, <laughs> it, it is, uh, I don't think the chiefs, for example, and their fan base are a long time chiefs fans take for granted what they have with the Patrick Mahomes or the bills with Josh Allen. It is not easy. These are franchises that took years and years to find the right guy. Um, and you know, whether, whether Bryce is that guy for Carolina is one thing, but at least for Frank as a head coach, uh, you know, I'm not that he, I'm sure at times didn't enjoy trying to figure it out with some of those veterans. He himself at times being a, a veteran, a veteran trying to figure things out as a quarterback. Um, but uh, you know, given what we saw, what we did in that one, one season, just one with Andrew Luck where they, it wasn't pretty the whole season, but they turned things around and looked like a, a pretty uh, major contender, made it to the second round before getting knocked off by Kansas city. I mean, before that, what he did with Carson Wentz and then Nick Foles in Philadelphia as their offense coordinator. I mean, this is a guy that there's a reason that he didn't stay a, um, a free agent, uh, head coach for, for long. And like you said, the roster is just completely different. I mean, so like, you know, they, they were figuring things out running the ball late, you know, later in the season that became kind of their identity. And it's why they, at one point were still <laughs> had a chance to win that division that was obviously so down last year with the Bucks struggling too. But um, I, it's, I don't think it's crazy to think that's possible that they could win it to your point on the, the odds. You're, you're correct. The Saints, yeah, are the, the favorite at plus 135. Then you got the Falcons next plus 230. And then the Panthers at plus 370. I mean, I don't think it's insane to put them right in the group. I'm kind of higher, as we've talked about, maybe a little bit, not overly, but on Atlanta. Like, I think they definitely have a shot here. I understand the Saints, you know, given where that defense has been, given what Derek Carr, you know, where the quarterback position had been the last couple of years compared to what he might be able to do there. Um, I I do think there's some reason, uh, there's a reason the Saints are the the favorite still. But yeah, I think Carolina is going to be one of the more interesting teams. I think that Carolina and Falcons I think they might play week one that's going to be a really interesting game to see like where where these two teams are at two teams that have kind of been struck you know for a number of years now after Atlanta had their kind of dominant run and obviously the Panthers as well with Cam Newton it's been the last few years a Saints and Bucks sled division um, even when uh, Drew Brees retired and 
it's just going to be interesting to see where these two teams are at. But, yeah, for Carolina's defense, at times struggled a, a better in the run defense than they had been. They were one of the worst teams a couple of years ago, more towards the middle of the pack last year. I, like you mentioned, they bring in Von Bell. They still have Brian Burns. They still have J.C. Horn to see what he can do. They bring in uh, a trade with, for C.J. Henderson, right? So, I mean, they have a number of, uh, of different players on that side of the ball, too. But it's really the offense that – uh, for a team that if they can continue to run well and, uh, you know, Kwanu ended up being a pretty, it seemed like a pretty good pick last year to stay on the field with some of the other pieces they have in the line. It's uh, a team that's built to, to, to hit you. Um, uh, maybe the athleticism there, uh, we'll see what the, what they want to do in the run game, but I think they're a team that's going to come at you in the run game, at least Miles Sanders, that maybe that fits his style. I mean, you look at who they, um, the way they're going to want to perform, play and, set things up for Bryce. And I think that's the thing is uh, my expectation for them is just having a QB friendly offense. It's not, it doesn't have to be the most explosive offense, but it, keep Bryce healthy, keep him. Uh, we see so many rookie quarterbacks that come in the league and they don't even get really a chance because they get beat up so quick and how that as much as you want to think that uh, guys can overcome it. And I think Bryce is as mentally strong as any uh, of these, of the rookie uh, signal callers coming in the last few years. But it does take a toll mentally, uh, subconsciously, to a level. If you just feel like there's always someone breathing on your neck, you, you know, at times in the in Baker Mayfield's tenure with the Browns, where everyone was like, "Why is he constantly rolling out when no one's there?" I, I, I'm sure it had to do something with some of the times he got lit up uh, with with uh, subpar help there um, with his protection. So I think Bryce is so athletic, but I, you know, I don't want to overstate the size thing because I'm not. Someone that thinks that, uh, you know, I'm not like firm, like a quarterback has to be this height to be successful. We've seen a lot of guys at different heights and sizes and different things that have been successful. But I do think there is an impact um, on your health potentially with the size of Bryce. And I'm sure, you know, it's going to take a second to, to kind of continue to beef up. Um, but he did play in a conference with a bunch of future NFL players getting hit and avoiding getting hit from those kind of guys. So I, I think even though, yeah, he had uh, one of, obviously a great situation to play for Alabama, uh, he still had to deal with um, you know NFL-level defenders and different uh, players coming after him and put up some big numbers against some really good defenses at that level. So it's going to be interesting. Um, the, the Like you said, it's a completely different group. Obviously, DJ Moore traded away uh, to the Bears. But uh, still a, an interesting group of um, skill position players that, yeah, I I think the, with Frank Reich as their coach and Bryce, it's just going to be a fresh – it's going to be interesting to see what he does. But um, I, I I doubt that as much as yeah, it's, you have the safety net of uh, Andy Dalton there as your backup, I, I think Bryce is oh, – I really hope he's starting week one because it will be a lot more fun if he is. <laughs> I think he will be. He's, he's already the you know listed as the – the QB one. Um, so it, it, I think just expectation for me for Frank Reich playoffs would be great, but yeah, yes, they're in the NFC as we talk about that, but I, you know, if it's a very different roster than what Denver has, where I'm saying if they were in the NFC, I'd think that that would be what uh, you'd expect that. But in the NFC, I think it's more so just keeping Bryce healthy, keeping him on the field for the majority, if not all the season, and then having a, an offense that feels like it's taking that next step. Maybe this is what I know you made the comparable to uh Jacksonville um, and where they were at. I, I almost looked at this like where Jacksonville was the rookie season of Trevor if they didn't have, you know, uh, Urban Myers, their head coach, and had a, a more competent Frank Reich or Doug Peterson kind of uh, name in there. So Bryce doesn't have to worry about what Trevor did in terms of catching up 
the same way I think we get to see him immediately get an install, and I think it's going to be valuable for him to have that top offensive mind, regardless of what happens with the staff, with you know Thomas Brown. No, both him and Avera know both these guys quite well if they're from the Rams days. But um, you know, I think that they're set up to have a, a staff that's going to be there for a long time for Bryce, and I think laying that foundation is. Um, successfully and, and feeling like going into the next season, maybe that's when you start to look at them as a as the team that should expect to win this division. I think that would be a, a positive outcome for Frank Reich in his first year with Carolina. All right, these next three, um, we kind of tie it a little bit together because I I think this is the question, and I I think I know who's going to be third in this list. Um, but <laughs> if we look at the the win totals, so the projected where the Vegas win totals right now. I think, and where they sit. So the Cardinals are at four and a half, and both the Colts and the Texans are at six and a half. So I guess the the question is, right now, of the three rookie head coaches, um, Jonathan Gannon, D'Amico, Ryan, Shane Steichen, which which can have the most success the quickest? And maybe by the quickest, it doesn't necessarily mean this season. But I do think if you tie that part into it, um, I think it's clearly probably between the Texans and Colts here in turn, because we've talked about, again, yeah. <laughs> the vision is so important. Um, and, you know, the Cardinals, unfortunately, find themselves in the division where I know the Rams, you know, didn't have the season they wanted last season, but I think we expect the Rams to at least, again, take a, a, a bigger step forward um, than the biggest step they took back last season. <laughs> um, you know, you know the Niners are going to be there. Seahawks, we thought, as we talked about last year, could be the one of the worst teams in the league, wound up being – you know, a team that, that did what they did. Uh, and so I feel like the Cardinals probably have the biggest uphill climb. But I do think it's an interesting discussion in terms of at the, in terms of the starting point for, for Ryan and Steichen here. Who has the best starting point? Who has the – because, look, two situations, right, where I think you could probably just answer this question and say, well, it depends on the two quarterbacks. Because, um, yeah. look, both – I mean, it's, it's C.J. Stroud versus Anthony Richardson. It's trying to figure out what you're going to get – Maybe in, in that regard, because that will determine, I think, a lot of the success or lack of success that these two coaches have had, just like we talked about with Frank Wright. He's tied to Bryce Young now. Um, like it or not, that's kind of where now this is where they sit. They've invested a lot of money, and they are moving forward together as a duo. It's the same situation here with these two coaches. Like, they have their quarterback, and now it's a matter of figuring out who has, you know, who, who can get there the quickest in a division that – Seemingly is always up in the air. Um, we think the Jags are not going anywhere. Titans, who knows? Um, and, you know, now you've got these two teams who feel like they're in a very similar spot. So maybe that's the best question is which of these two could race out in front of the other just based on where the roster is at right now? Oh, man. It's it's a tough – like you said, it's a two – a two-team race here as much as Arizona had you know they still have Kyler but we don't know what time he's going to come back this season yeah. and I think based on clearly the way that they traded back into next year's draft where they're looking ahead this is a team that everyone now that they have the Texans pick has that well as their own a lot of people expect them to and almost it's not even like uh kind of like a theory it's it, it's becoming more like everywhere I listen to anything about the Cardinals it's a lot of talk of that Kyler might not be the quarterback next year that they're gonna this is all trending towards them drafting one of the you know between those two picks whether they get the number one or two pick or trading up that uh it, it could be that they move on from Kyler and try to trade him away and um really 
continue this rebuild. I, I think they took positive steps, but yeah, that's a team and a, and a, you know, their new GM and Ozenfort knows that they need to rebuild and, and tear it down to an extent and has already started to, there are some really good players there, but I think uh, they're a team that is looking at two, three, four years ahead rather than the, uh, immediately. And, and I still think that Indianapolis and Houston to an extent aren't looking at this season as, um, the one where they're going to take that major step. Uh, we will see. I, I think in terms of who is better positioned, man, that's, I want to say, and I, I know it comes to, like at times I always talk about ownership and maybe I've overstated too much, but as much as uh, whatever you want to say about your say in the Colts and some of the funny things he does, I think probably a little more stable that we've yeah. seen with uh, with McNair and uh, Houston over time. How that trickles down, I think you know having D'Amico Ryan's does kind of like at times. I'm not put, comparing necessarily McNair to uh, to the ownership when Schneider in uh, Washington, but when you know when Ron Rivera was hired, and we looked at that. And I kind of looked at it as shielding some of the some of the things that were going on from the, the team and that organization away from the actual football operations. And I don't think it's obviously to that extent in, um, in Houston and they've cleared out some names um, over the last couple of years to, to make it a, maybe a situation where you feel like that's things are starting to turn around. I think just hiring D'Amico in itself, what he can do does prove that they're maybe taking a step forward. But I think the Colts, oh man, like, you know, I, I'm, I'm wait. I try to, I'm trying to counter my own, bias where I'm always a little too high on this team they did still finish you know last year if you told me they're going to finish in the top half of the league in defensive DVOA which they did at 14th I, I would have thought that they were going to be at least uh contending for a playoff spot obviously Matt Ryan falling off in the offensive line you know taking a huge step back um had an impact I do think between you know th- these are the two head coaches and out of this group, obviously we have two uh, incumbent guys like we just talked about for a while um, coming in, but these two, I mean, at, at the top of each side of the ball, d- offense and defense, I mean, what Steichen did last year, you know, the last couple of years and obviously calling the plays for the Eagles and revamping that offense. And it's easy to look at why Anthony, you know, it's un- easy to understand why Anthony Richardson is excited to have him as his coach and the things he's already telling him about ways that they can kind of, you know, you know, not ask Anthony to make crazy reads and, uh, you know, looking at coverages. A lot of times we've seen with some of these younger quarterbacks that are super athletic, you can simplify things a bit in the passing game if you have a elite running attack. And I do think between whether it's Richardson himself running the football or Jonathan Taylor and things they want to do with that offensive line and what Shane's going to try to coach up there, I, I think there are steps forward quicker maybe on that side whereas in Houston I, I do think on the defensive side of the ball just a culture fit for D'Amico and what he can start to build there I think it's going to you know have an immediate impact but whether that means on offense or immediately lighting things up I don't know if it's going to be as quick um I, I, I again I'm trying not to I'm trying to counterbalance my bias for the Colts but I do think I'd put them give them a slight edge here um I don't know if either team again in the AFC it's just such a you know not that this is they do both these teams play in a division where it's not the dominant forces as much as I think the Jags are going to be really good still and I would I'm you know we're still wild till we make our division predictions I'm, I'm going to predict them most likely to win that division yeah. um, do think they're in a great place and I think their offense is going to continue to improve and thought they turned some corners at, at the end of the year but um, I, this isn't as strong it's not a division where I look at them top to bottom where they can't pick up some wins and they as we've talked about the Souths. Uh, AFC and NFC play each other, so they're going to benefit from that. So I mean, I mean, maybe this is a, a Colts team that has a chance to 
at least be middle of the pack record wise. Um, whereas I think Houston, I know that the I believe like ESPN's projector stuff has them still finishing with the second worst record, which is why the Cardinals and their projections end up with the number one and two picks. Um, I don't think they're. I wouldn't pick them to be that bad. I think they'll be a little uh, just because of the schedule, as we've talked about, and then what D'Amico's going to bring quickly and some of the players they do have. I think they'll they'll still maybe be uh, more of a five win, six win kind of team. And I think the Colts are probably in that range, but I put maybe I think they're they could get up to seven or so. Um, I could see things on that if the defense stays stable-ish and on offense they take any step forward because, I mean, they were just awful. On a, like that, I'm still it's burned into my brain, that Thursday night Colts-Broncos uh, game. I'm never <laughs> going to get past that one, and I, I, it's it may, maybe after a few years I'll start to. But um, I just – they were they were putrid. I mean, they're the worst offense yeah. DVOA-wise in the league after being 13th the year before. I mean, that's just – you talk about teams that are bound for a for a, a positive regression. I think the the Colts are up there. Um, I wouldn't say that you know the same level of what the Broncos could potentially do, but um, I I think maybe if between the two, I'll, I would take the Colts. But I'm not feeling as strongly as I have in the past about it. I I like you know obviously just D'Amico being there overall. I do think the trade up for Will Anderson. We'll see how that over the year, depending on where they finish this year, it could end up being a lot more costly than. You know, just the you know the t- number ten or twelve or whatever it was pick that they traded up uh, back up to to get to the number three spot along with next year's first round pick. If that ends up being a top two pick, uh, then it does become maybe a little a bit of a tough situation to swallow unless Will Anderson really does become like not just a solid uh, pass rusher but one of the top guys in the league. But I, I think. I'll put the Colts slightly above. I, I just think maybe there's a quicker path, and it's not it's not to doubt C.J. Stroud and potentially he is uh, going to solve a lot of problems for them. I, I do have a lot of hope for him, but I do think maybe uh, maybe to an extent as that offensive line improves, I think that maybe there will be a quicker a, a chance for Shane Steichen to implement some things that maybe we saw with Jalen Hurts the first year uh, that, that that staff was um, with Sirianni and, and Steichen was uh, taken over in 2021. And what the later in the season we saw the, the Eagles really change their identity to a just – completely different offense than what we saw last year. Um, they're really just running the football heavily and kind of – I don't think they have the same bruisers that the Eagles do up front necessarily right now, but I do think they have a lot of talented players and Shane's a good mind. So I'll give the Colts a slight edge there. I don't know. What do you – do? You, what are your thoughts here? Do you go Houston if you had to pick between the two? I would probably go with the Colts. Um, I think, like you said, I, I think you said it best. Slightly I would say the Colts, but um, I just – I think that's where – where I would probably go on that. And again, it's, we've seen this in this division, right? Like it's just, I, we've seen teams be able to really just completely turn things around. And it's just based on the wackiness of the AFC South. We always joke about it being our brand. Like that's why it's like, you know, sure. We could expect the Jags to come out and do exactly what they did last season, but you know what, if they finish third in this division, would it shock me? No, like it's just, it's this division. Like that's just the way it works in the AFC South. And so, um, yeah, so I, I would probably go with the Colts, but, and again, like I said, I, I think CJ Stroud, I am pretty high on him. Um, yeah. not to say I'm not on Anthony Richardson, but like I look, if you had to ask me who I'm more confident in at this very moment, I'd probably say CJ Stroud. So I think that could be a big difference too, in terms of picking one team or the other. And so mm-hmm. that makes sure. it a little bit harder. Um, but I do think the Colts are probably have more depth overall right now, but it's just, again, it goes back to that quarterback situation and how quickly we've seen things go off the rails, even for guys who were picked 
that high and it's you know there's a lot relying on those two quarterbacks and so that's what it comes down to um yeah so yeah i, I mean it's, I think it's you're tough right. stroud's stroud's probably a little more pro ready um at this like exact moment I, I think in terms as we've talked about when we looked at the the rookie quarterbacks and what it's possible with Anthony Richardson. I think, yeah, there, there's a lot of tools and, you know, even looking at some of his, you know, really small sample sizes to think here with him in, in terms of what he's able to do, but at times did have some pretty strong accuracy deep down the field. It didn't look like as much of a overly project kind of situation, but I, I do think, yeah, Stroud was so just able to pick teams apart. Obviously the Georgia game still going to stick in your mind what he's able to do there um, in that last game at Ohio State against the, the defense with all these future NFL players. Um, but I still, it's the Steichen, it's, it's not so much the, in this case, maybe I'm maybe I'm giving too much credence to what a, a coaching staff can do for a quarterback, but I'm, with the Colts, I do think they're going to put Richardson in a situation, and we'll see. I mean, at this, I guess at this point, the last thing I'd read there um, from the Colt beat, uh, Colts beat writers at Gardner Minshew and Richardson were yeah. splitting the first uh, team uh, snaps, but uh, I think at some point, if it's not week one, uh, pretty quickly we're going to see Richardson. I, I Maybe I just have a little too much confidence. They're going to figure out a way to, to put this to a place where he's not asked to do the things that we see Josh Allen and all the, you know, any of the top end quarterbacks with a lot of athleticism are asked to do in the NFL. I think if they get to that place, that's amazing. But I think, yeah, it's going to be a more simplified. And that's not to say they're not going to take shots at times, but I think they're going to try to limit the amount of, you know, post snap uh, having to, to kind of process a lot really quickly. If they can, you know, change the math a bit by making teams account for him as a rusher. That does take one less body out of a uh, possible robber and different things where uh, maybe uh, some of the mistakes don't get as magnified. So we'll see. But yeah, I agree that between the just in a vacuum, the two quarterbacks, there's a reason that Stroud went number two. I do think he's uh, definitely more pro ready um, at this point. Yeah, and that's more of a long term. Like I said, I mean, look, we could just as easily see Gardner Minshew and Davis Mills starting week one for both teams, but it's like. Yeah. You know, we are kind of project ahead, and I think those two guys, you know, the, the two rookies are obviously a big part of that. But I think, too, you know, it, you see who the Texans have picked up on the offensive side. Like, there are some interesting pieces that they picked up, as we talked about. And so, um, yeah, it will be kind of fascinating. All right, we can quickly wrap this up with the Cardinals because I don't really think there's a lot to say. I mean, is there uh, – you said it earlier, kind of. I, I think the Cardinals are probably playing for, um, you know, a top quarterback, my guess, in next year's draft and – I would probably be more surprised than not if they're not one of the bottom three teams in the league this season. So I, you know, I just think that's it. Like I just don't see a lot of, I don't have a lot of high expectations for the Cardinals if we're just looking at this season. Yeah, unless the, I'm trying to think. I really don't. Out of the five, it's hard to say there's any one coach that has a chance to be the one guy that is a one and done. But if it ha- if I had to pick, it probably would be Jonathan Gannon. I don't think it's going to happen because I think that. Uh, with Ozen Ford and what this uh, team does seem like they're acknowledging the future. I don't think they're going to be, yeah. it's going to be a situation where they go one by one with coaches. So yeah, I do think that at this point it's got to be just starting to turn the culture around, but at the same time, how many of these guys are going to be here in the next few years? I, we're already seeing a lot of turnover. So it's trying to, to kind of connect with the Buddha bakers and establish our, you know, whether these guys are going to be uh, here for the long term or not. I mean, it's a chance that not all these Players we obviously saw Hopkins already uh, wanted out and did get cut. Um, it's a team that, for again, I don't think the expectation is winning games. It's got to be just starting to turn things around with the culture, um, starting to not have 
you know, players that want out and, and just identifying the guys that are going to be here for the next, uh, for the long haul um, and, and potentially the next quarterback. If it is Kyler, that's great. And I, as a Rams fan, I, I, maybe I'm a little more afraid of the fact that Olsen Ford is looking so far ahead. And right now the threat is the, the Niners and Seahawks, but maybe the future could become the Cardinals if they do things right with this rebuild. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I don't think you can ex- ask Jonathan Gannon to do too much more with the current roster. And hopefully they understand that too. Uh, you know, at times uh, a guy that wasn't always um, in Philadelphia loved for what at times happened with that defense um, I, I remember week one, people were super upset about what they did against the Lions. Little did we know the Lions are going to be one of the top five offenses in the league, uh, or so, basically in that range. So I, you know, I, I, it's it's not as exciting as the other ones, uh, maybe that we talked about. Um, there's maybe less to to kind of look forward to. But if you're a Cardinals fan, I I do think just trying to have a you know the, the the roster not after next season if they if they do really bottom out as they're expected to not have a roster of guys that are just all livid and are are talking about dysfunction but at least are have a, a feeling of all right this was a necessary step what's going to be happening um next year and the excitement building around whatever they have with the draft picks and i think they've set themselves up from a front office point of view with the moves again that they've made um, to, for that. But for just for Jonathan Gannon's own expectations, I don't think wins and losses are going to be uh, up there on the board. Maybe it is getting the defense to a more competent place overall as a former defense coordinator. Maybe that is something you could point to um, after they finished probably towards, I'd have to pull it up. Uh, wasn't the high. 20, 24th. So not <laughs> yeah. terrible, but not, you know, at the top of the last quarter of the league. So, um, yeah, it, it wasn't great, but it wasn't, you know, given where they'd been uh, the year before, the defense really did uh, fall off uh, from 2021. So I think getting them back to maybe in the maybe in that 20 to 16 range, if that would be a huge win, because I, I still think that's a team that drafted with a without a, a lot of, I don't know how to, I've kind of put this, and I try not to be too uh, negative on the players themselves. I think they haven't been put into a place to succeed. It's a lot of guys that, uh, they didn't have defined like idea of what they wanted for. They they just drafted players they thought were yeah. uh, good defenders instead of having an actual scheme plan for them and fitting them into it. So hopefully uh, they're able to figure some things out with the current players they have. Obviously, there's some scheme proof guys. I'd argue that Buda Baker is one of them. Uh, but they uh, still that's a roster that would be that good. I don't think they're designed to be as good. So if they can maintain where they even were, maybe that's even a win because. Uh, I don't think the Cardinals are clearly a team that's I want to say they're uh, tanking they're not going to be losing games on purpose but I think they've been built uh, for the future kind of like we've seen the Texans the last couple seasons yeah it'll be interesting to see like I said I think it's definitely a long-term rebuild there for the Cardinals all right well there's some thoughts on the five coaches and new spots uh, to head coaching ranks this season and we'll obviously talk more about it as we go throughout the offseason into our predictions for next season but of course for now Dylan a lot of stuff still going on um, here in the offseason. The NFL never stops. And, of course, it's all over at Clutch Points. Yeah, you can go to the Clutch Points app to the NFL section. A lot of a lot of offseason stuff going on right now, looking at you know overall offseason winners and losers. We've gone through basically every iteration of players that the teams can still add in free agency, looking at some of the best offseason moves that teams made. Uh, a lot of just looking forward, possible uh, you know, c- cut candidates, uh, especially after June 1st coming up, a lot of content there, a lot of stuff 
about uh, players that are you know unsigned rookies or maybe late draft uh, late players drafted later in the fifth, sixth, seventh round that have a chance to you know not just make rosters but actually have roles this season. So we've been going through all that in the NFL section of the website clutchpoints.com and the Clutch Points app. And yeah, we'll have you know it's a slower part of this of the of the calendar maybe, but at the same time we have still have OTAs going on and uh, yeah. a lot of a lot of players are around uh, maybe a little bit more so than they were even a couple months ago so yeah it's uh still a fun time of year and it's a good time to kind of look at overall where things are going to take a step back and you know sometimes during the season get caught up in like the week-to-week things that some of the bigger picture stuff it's easier to look at when uh, there aren't any games and haven't been any games we're about like at that midpoint uh, almost right of like between the regular season ending uh, or sorry the Super Bowl and that the regular season starting kind of in that in that range obviously camps will be before we know it will be a couple months from now and we'll have training camps so uh, the NFL never sleeps no never 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 um so check it out a lot of clutch points a lot of stuff going on there and as we said a lot more to come be sure to subscribe to the podcast any podcast app you use search for steps pass and thanks as always for listening to the podcast and we'll talk to you next time here on the establish the pass podcast